and welcome to the ShoePod sessions. The purpose of these sessions are to help listeners understand more about the key components of a commercial contract. I'm James Hadley, and I'm a principal associate in the commercial and projects team, focusing on clean energy and infrastructure. For today's podcast, I'm John by Fleur. Hi, I'm Fleur Gribble, a trainee solicitor based in the commercial and projects team. Today, we're going to talk about contract scope. We'll start by looking at what contract scope means before moving on to why it's important. We'll then tackle some of the common pitfalls to avoid when dealing with questions around the scope, as well as some of the common questions we see coming up when this is discussed. So to get us started, Fleur, what do we mean by the scope of a contract? The scope of a contract is the name we give to the boundary to which the contract applies. For example, in a sale of goods contract, the scope will be the specific goods that the buyer wants to buy and the seller is willing to sell. In a contract for the supply of services, a good scope will set out exactly what services will be delivered. A really good scope will also tell you what's not included, which can be helpful, particularly when there are complex services. Thanks, Fleur. I do think that scope is one of those things that's really easily overlooked. And if you're looking for contractual bang for your buck, there aren't many more important parts of a contract than the scope. A woolly or an incomplete scope can lead to disagreement. Can you give us an example? So let's imagine I have a contract with you to draw me a picture of a pet. So it's a contract for services. I promise to pay you 20 quid and I want you to draw me a picture which is of high quality. I want it delivered within the next three days. I want you to warrant that you'll do it yourself. And I want you to agree that I own all of the IP in the picture that you're drawing for me. So we've got a nice, robust contract. Three days later, what have you drawn for me? I have this lovely picture of a cat. Ah, see, I wanted a picture of a goldfish. Um, The cat's lovely, but it's not the picture that I want. Well, I've met all of my contractual requirements. It's high quality. I delivered on time. You own the IP and I drew you a picture of a pet and you owe me 20 quid. And if you don't pay me, I'll see you in court. Well, can you draw me a fish too? Sure, but that's out of scope. So you'll need to pay me more for that. And that is why scope is so important. We each had a different idea in mind of what our contractual responsibilities were. And the contract didn't help us clarify exactly what we were expecting. So Fleur, do you have any examples of some of the ways that contracts can go wrong if the scope isn't managed correctly that don't involve pets? Absolutely. The first one we should talk about is where there is no clear scope at all. When would that be the case? If you're using a standard set of terms and conditions, it's not unusual for the terms to refer to an external document, like an order form or a purchase order. But if you don't have one, and you've only agreed details by email, you can have a contract that has no clear scope. If you've only agreed details over the phone, and neither of you can exactly agree what you are buying or selling, you may not have a contract at all. Remember, a contract needs to be sufficiently certain to be legally binding. Even when there is contract scope, there can be problems. James, do you want to talk about some of those challenges? Absolutely. Another problem with scope which can cause a headache is where the scope contradicts other parts of the contract. Why might that happen? This often happens when you have a scope which is set out in a separate schedule of the contract or even in a different document entirely. There can be a temptation to assume that the scope's the scope and to look at it as being separate from the contract, but it's not. It's critical to how the contract works. For example, it's really common to have a provision in standard contract terms which says that goods being supplied are new and haven't been used before. But if you're entering into a contract to buy recycled wood to turn it into shelving, you've now got a flat-out contradiction between two parts of the contract which could lead to disputes. Another common issue we see is where there is scope, but there are gaps in it. Like our example of drawing the pet. Exactly. It's really easy for the contract scope to miss important information. 
in the contract for services, you might have a really clear scope cleaning the carpets, but you might miss out how often that's supposed to happen. In a contract for goods, you might ask for 100 boxes of crisps, but not specify that you want a mix of flavours. So that sounds like it's better for the seller if the scope isn't very clear. Sometimes, but not always. For example, often services might be limited to the provision of a certain number of hours a day or week. If that's not in the contract, the seller might need to work until the job's completed, which might take longer than they budgeted for and leave them out of pocket. Any other pitfalls you want to mention? It sounds obvious, but another big issue is where the scope contains inaccuracies. That does sound obvious. Is that common? It's more common than you would think. Like I said earlier, often the scope is overlooked and only given a cursory inspection. Where scope is perhaps being reused from another project, which isn't quite the same, or where there are changes halfway through contract negotiations, but that change doesn't find its way into the contract, that can be really unhelpful. So how do you avoid it? Treat scope like any other part of the contract. Check it before you sign, make sure it's clear, and make sure everyone agrees that it reflects the deal. Don't assume that somebody else will pick it up. And that brings me on to the final pitfall we want to address, which is everyone assuming that the scope is somebody else's responsibility. It's very easy for a lawyer to see the scope as a commercial document and for the commercial deal team to see the scope as part of the contract and for each of them to assume that the other one is keeping on top of the contract scope. Clearly, the risk here is that nobody checked the scope, which leads to some of the other potential pitfalls that we spoke about earlier. So whose responsibility is the scope? There's not an easy answer to that. Often there's a perception that scope is a commercial document and that lawyers shouldn't be touching it. Personally, I think that view is a bit too simplistic as it should dovetail with the contract terms and address any of the inconsistencies we discussed earlier. However, the key is communication and making sure that everyone involved knows that someone is responsible for looking at the scope. Ideally, the commercial team driving the deal should prepare the scope and the legal team should review it to identify any obvious ambiguities, contradictions or clear gaps. Sometimes that won't be possible, for example, where the subject of the matter is really technical or is a list of part numbers, but again, that comes down to communication between the teams working on the contract, a flag when something is outside their lane. Where do you find the scope in a contract and how do you recognise it? Sometimes it's easy. Often the scope will be in its own attachment or scheduled to the document and there'll be a clear reference to it. In other cases, it won't be so straightforward uh, as it might be included within the contract itself. For example, if the word goods appears in uppercase, this is a good indication that your scope is set out in the defined terms. A good rule of thumb is to look for the clause where the parties agree that the seller will sell and the buyer will buy the goods or services that are at issue in the contract. That will give you an idea where the scope can be found, whether that's in another part of the contract or it's in a separate document. Another frequently asked question for you now, Fleur, how much detail is enough detail for the scope? As you'd expect, that's not an easy question to answer either. The simplest answer is that it should be detailed enough that both parties know exactly what they need to do to deliver. If the goods being supplied are apples, as a starting point, you probably want to at least specify a number or weight so you know how much you're getting. But after that, it's down to what the parties want. Do you want red apples, green apples, or a mix? Do you want any specific varieties? It can sometimes help to get someone who isn't familiar with a commercial deal to take a look at the scope. Often they'll raise questions which can help tighten it up. Before we sum up, I wonder if it's worth talking about some of the factors that can make scope even more important than normal. Yes, absolutely. So where a contract is to supply equipment as part of a larger contract or where goods or services are being onward supplied to an end customer, the risks of getting scope wrong become even larger. Imagine, we'll take apples, I've agreed to purchase 100 kilograms of apples from a supplier so that I can process it into fruit salad as part of a contract I have with a retailer. If I don't scope my supply contract properly with the apple supplier, 
I may end up receiving red apples when my contract with the retailer says the fruit salads have to contain green apples. So not only do I have 100 kilograms of red apples that I have no use for and I have to pay for, but I'm also going to be liable for breach of my contract with the retailer. So I've suffered two different losses from the same cause. That's a great point. And the same risk exists on services. If you have a customer who contracts with you to clean an office building and you have different specialists cleaning the offices and the toilets, but you haven't agreed with either of them they need to clean the stairs, you're going to have to hire another contractor or be in breach of your contract with a customer. So let's summarise what we've spoken about. Scope is the term used to describe what's being delivered under a contract, whether that's goods, services or a combination of both. Well-written scopes make sure that everyone is on the same page about what each party is expected to deliver. Bad scopes lead to gaps, contradictions or inconsistencies, which are, at best, confusing and at worst could lead to disputes and damage commercial relationships, or you may not have a legally enforceable contract at all. A good contract won't necessarily help you if the scope is wrong or unclear. There is no one place in a contract where you'll find scope, but it is often either its own schedule as part of a separate document, such as an order form, or a defined term. There is also no right answer to how detailed the scope needs to be. It always depends on the needs of the commercial deal. Getting the scope wrong can have implications for other contracts in the supply chain, so in complex arrangements, it's especially important to get it right. Getting the scope right requires good communication between the deal team to ensure that everyone knows who is taking responsibility for it. So, to summarise, scope is important? Scope is important. So that brings us to the end of today's session. We hope that you found it useful. And if you need any further assistance on anything touched on today, please get in contact and we'll be happy to help. Thank you for listening.